Hey guys, this is John and Austin, and this is another episode of the Meet Your Six podcast presented by Waltons. Um, you guys have missed the best part of the podcast. Patrick <laughs> just left the room. He was ranting for a good, what, five minutes? Oh like, yeah. A it was solid five minutes. That was just beyond intense. And he had his noise canceling headphones on. So he was holding his microphone so that he could talk, like hear himself ranting. <laughs> it was, we should have been recording that. That was phenomenal. I thought maybe he was recording it and was going to like go back and use something from it later. But yeah. yeah. We, when we said something about, well, he at least talked to the microphone. He's like, well, because I can't hear. Yeah. So, so even that was a rant. It's comical. Um, but it had us laughing so hard that it kicked <laughs> off both of our coughs. So, dude, we're back in here for the third straight day we've been in the studio. We did a live stream Monday, did one Tuesday, and now we have the podcast. This is Wednesday. Should we complain about that, though? No. Don't we like, isn't that no. the goal? Yeah. To like spend more time That's in the here? good. This is a good part of it. But there is a certain amount of time where are just like, all right, I got other things I got to do. Um, but let's kick it right into uh, featured flavor. <laughs> this is seasoning. It's a new one. It's from uh, Wichita. It is F5 Barbecue Tornado Alley. It's their all-purpose rub. Uh, I grabbed some chicken, pounded it pretty flat, smoked it on our camp chef. Then got some, I think they're Mama Lupe's, but they might not be, tortillas, uh, some queso cheese, and then some Mateo's salsa, and let's take a bite. Mm. That's pretty freaking excellent. Mm-hmm. It took way too big of a bite. Yeah, but that's fine. That's what we normally do. But that seasoning, <clears throat> that is very good. Can't really tell if I'm tasting the seasoning or the Mateos, but whatever it is, I like it. I have a, a slight addiction to Mateos. Like, so eating the chicken plain, um, mm. it just, I don't know, it, well, it, that is it, good. it pairs well with the Mateos. Yeah, that is very good. Patrick has pointed out in the past that I have a problem Saying, oh, that'd go great on chicken. It's like, that's always what I say. But it's an all-purpose rub, and it really does go great on mm -hmm. chicken. What are the, read me the ingredients. I'll wait until you're done chewing. Salt, brown sugar, ground chili, garlic, black pepper, and spices. It's the chili that really kicks off on that. Like, mm-hmm. So if you like an all-purpose rub that's got a good chili flavor, uh, F5 Barbecue from Tornado Alley absolutely could satisfy that. We've got Austin about to pour it a oversized amount into his hand and then eat it directly, which makes me nostalgic for the garlic. Yeah. What was it called? What was our seasoning called that we just used to eat handfuls oh, of? Oh, garlic it? Romano. Ugh. Man, there were so many things we used to eat, like that tomato basil wing shake, uh, garlic was, romano. Uh, it was the tomato basil wing shake, because that's the one that had the Parmesan cheese yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it was tomato basil wing shake. But there used to be a lot of seasonings we would just... There was less salty that you could eat more of. You're not, you're not, I know you're not supposed to, but that was, that was a great way to do it. That might be where your problem with salt stems <clears throat> from, though. Maybe. I don't know. I was... Uh, I'm I'm supposed to be eating a, a bland diet right now, and uh, that is not bland. This doesn't qualify. 
delicious and it's i am sacrificing and i'm okay with that right now i wouldn't really call it sacrificing you're just not doing the healthy thing you're supposed to so if anything you're doing the opposite of sacrificing yeah potato potato i'm sacrificing my health <laughs> to entertain everyone there you go no you just wanted to eat let's not lie i am very hungry though. well it's yeah ridiculous Thankfully, I didn't have the uh, eating issues that you and your brother did. I just wasn't hungry. Like, I just kept not, I'd get to dinner and be like, eh. And I'm like, my appetite is not like fully back. And thank goodness it's not because otherwise I don't know. I don't know how I'd be, how I'd be surviving right now. It's been bad. What is this Wednesday? This is now 10 days in. This is, yeah, this is horrible. Could it have possibly been we both, like, everybody got sick and there was some sort of food poisoning? Is that possible? Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. Could be a little little touch of food poisoning on top of the flu or something. I didn't have any problems, though. But as we've all, my iron gut is better than yours. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's put that to the test. Let's, let's, let's start getting back into some weird and crazy will it barbecues. But... It's going to be more like Willet Barbecue Tartar. Un undercooked. <laughs> the undercooked series. Yeah. Actually, All right, this is chicken I cooked up to 125 degrees. I don't remember what it is. I It was something not very crazy, but I think it was like rabbit or rabbit or something. Um, I don't remember. Some place I've been buying some other stuff from that they locally that they have like that. I need to get some from them and would do a Willet Barbecue with it because that I'm like, it's weird. It's different rabbit but at least not, i'm like it's gonna be good yeah it's not weird i wouldn't how call how many people can say they've ate ate rabbit in the u.s i bet it's one percent of one percent of the population no it's got to be more than that i didn't know hassenpfeffer what the heck is that it's another weird northeast thing <clears throat> so hassenpfeffer is just another word for rabbit and it's not that uncommon to eat at least it wasn't in my family in the Northeast. I don't know. But I mean, you know, we were 30 oh. miles. Ooh, we were 30 miles away from being basically New York hillbillies. I mean, the Adirondacks <laughs> were right there. So, and then my grandmother at least grew up during the De Great Depression eating house and pfeffer all the time. So that's probably why we ate it. Only 1% of U.S. households own a rabbit as a pet. That doesn't but answer are, your question are, at are all. They really Go to Google. Get off Bing. This is, <laughs> this question requires a Google answer. I'm going to say it is somewhere one to three percent. Would be my guess. If we can find this answer, we probably can't find this answer because nobody tracks it. Because who cares? It's a statistically well, no, one to three percent would be statistically significant. He's scrolling. I don't. I don't. No, nothing right off the yeah. top just jumps out at me. Yeah. I have to do 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 a deeper dive. I'm not surprised that there's not that information there. All right. So uh, for anyone who hasn't joined any of our recent live streams, uh, the extra long barbecue thermometer, uh, 12 inch Walton's probe thermometer is in. We got them. Austin and I did uh, a live stream yesterday, an emergency live stream that was about an hour long. We gave away 20 something of them just to to random commenters um 
It was fun. I was I was glad we did that. We haven't sent them out yet. We need to find a package that they will go in. I walked into Austin's office this morning with one of those and our largest envelope. And I said, we just need to bend this a little bit and it would fit perfectly in there. Unfortunately, you can't bend those. So we're gonna have to come up with something to ship them out. Otherwise, it's gonna cost us $12 to ship each one. We'll have something. So I talked with Taylor. Um, we use these little bubble mailers sometimes and they don't quite fit but we're getting another size in and then because we need something else anyways for stuff that's like that that goes yeah. out very low weight you'd send something in a box when it's already low weight and that adds a significant cost one in the cost of the box but then just the weight of the box drastically increases the cost of your shipment so you want to use like a plastic mailer that weighs like nothing to not increase the weight any more than you have to hmm. makes it cheaper so we got something new coming in for that so um, that'll all be here tomorrow. So by the time people hear the podcast, all the thermometers we gave away, they will be on their, on way. their way out. Some of them should be delivered already. Some of them will still be in transit. So, okay. um, And then I went and bought a case plus 25 pounds of uh, eye of the rounds this morning. Uh, I trimmed them all out. Your dad's making a case of jerky um, and I'm making 25 pounds. You know, if you bought a whole case, where'd you go? Like Sam's? Sam's. Sam's. Next time, ask him for denuded inside round. Yeah, I did. They didn't have They didn't have any. That sucks. No. Sometimes they do. He gave me, when I asked for the case, he's like, <clears throat> I took 25 pounds of the regular ones also. And he's like, they're not going to be nice like that. He said, I don't have anything like that. I was like, okay, give them. So it took me, you know, it didn't take me that long. It took me 30 minutes probably to trim all of it. Did you save any of the fat? No. Okay. It's beef fat. Yeah. I've so, saved it in the past and it's just like, eh, what am I gonna do with this? Next, next, <laughs> next time, save it. Um, I'll give it to my wife oh. and let her render it. Come up with something. Yeah. Oh, she okay. does she does stuff with beef tallow. Um, but she always like she has not like got, done it from scratch. She like will buy stuff. So um I can encourage her to do something and then we can have something to share. It's very homesteady, your wife. Yeah. She it's would she would love to go start a homestead. Uh, out in the middle of nowhere, homeschool kids, and just turn off all electricity, oh. uh, return to the earth. Yeah. yeah, But still firearms. We can't not have guns. Yeah. Otherwise, how do you yeah protect yourself? Otherwise, all of a sudden, here comes the Plains Grizzly right back. We don't want that. <clears throat> all right. Uh, so those are in. Uh, keep an eye out on our social media. We'll have some flash sales, and I'm sure for our 13 Days of Christmas live stream, which I'm not sure when I'm doing it yet. Next Friday actually sounds better to me than the 18th right now, mostly because that gives me a chance to make Austin wear his toupee on a live stream. Um, has to get in by early next week so I can then give it to him and make him wear it from... Do you hear that? That is you. That is me. You are talking now, on the computer. Back talk there. while I go fix that. Okay. So we're going back into the rabbit thing because I've had enough time to research. <laughs> so um, approximately 2 million rabbits, they estimate, are killed in the U.S. You are killed, raised. I'm not sure which one now. In the U.S. for meat every year. However, only 20% of that, give or take, is like federally inspected, which that number should be pretty accurate. They should 
they should be able to know off that. So I'm saying that if there's 2 million federally inspected, there's, I don't know, 400 million people in the U.S. So if you take 2 million divided by the 400 million, that is half of 1%. So as soon as John gets back, we'll see. I was saying 1% of 1%. So technically, John, as he's walking back in the room, uh, we came up with uh, me and the audience agree on this oh, one. Okay. Uh, we had a conversation. So. That I was correct. Uh, half of 1% is Ooh. probably best. If you say okay. one rabbit per person, like 2 million rabbits federally inspected, killed for me in the U.S. every year. 400 million people in the U.S.? Yeah, but how? what about the people who just hunt them? They're eating them. Those so, aren't federally inspected. Yeah, but those people are probably also already included in the other number. You might be right. But I don't know. It's, it's definitely a small percentage. It may not be 1% of 1%, but small. it's not like 5 10% of people. Sure. Yep. Okay. Well, Good uh, internet sleuthing there. Uh, by the time this comes out, we will have started our 13 days of Christmas sale. Now we will be on day two. Uh, so go to waltons.com slash sales to see everything that's on sale. Um, day one of Christmas is the seven pound single and dual speed stuffer, uh, the tenderizer and the motor for the tenderizer. Uh, day two, which will be the day this comes out, our number 12 grinder and our 12 inch pro vacuum sealer are both going to be on sale. So go on over to waltons.com slash sales, check those out. We also have a holiday gift guide this year. Uh, I had it broken down into price ranges. So we have some that are under $15, some that are under like 35, some that are under 50. Um, and just some of those are like a combination, like, hey, this goes well with this, like the better bread or batter bowl and the uh, chicken on the run. So yeah, that's a well, that will be up on Walton's blog. And I'll be putting some stuff out on social media about that. Then keep an eye out. Uh, we have vacuum bags going on sale on the 8th. And the number 8 in the 660-pound scale will be going on sale on Sunday. And then tune back in on Monday. Cool deal. You missed where I said, I'm thinking about having the live stream on Friday, the 15th, instead of the 18th. Well, doesn't it need to be like on like the last day? But... If we do it on the 18th, they won't get to see your toupee. Oh. I won't throw it away. I'd put it, I'd wear it, I'd put it back on again for okay. the live stream. All right. So I need to get that toupee here on, on the double. Okay. Still don't know what I'm doing. Have you, you haven't ordered anything? No. Because I was telling you your dad, down. I could do some, yes, I could, like I'm hoping to do some emotional damage with when you take it off. Like, make you sad that you no longer have like make it so good <laughs> you're like no i looked awesome with hair and then you don't have hair again i do remember what i looked like with hair do you really yeah feels like that would be so long ago that since i've known you you've shaved your head oh yeah i haven't had long i, I last had long hair when i was like 19 but i'm not that old you it was really only, aren't yeah. it was only 15 years ago yeah that was a lot longer ago for me. That's 25 years 25 ago for me. Ago. I don't remember what I looked like at 19. All right. Um, but yeah, so keep an eye out on that. Um, 
we're also doing this thing on Facebook every once in a while, and we've got another one that's going to be coming up on the uh, 15th, which is a week from when this is going to release. Maybe I'll do it on the 8th, actually. I'm not sure yet. It'll either be today or a week from today for you guys, uh, where we're I'm having Mason take pictures from the website and then black it out. This one, we instead of blackout, we put wrapping paper over it. Mm. And then he zooms in, and you have to take guesses at what the items are. Each one gets harder, and then the last one, you get gift cards for the first person to guess it. And we're doing it on Facebook only because that's the simplest way to do it. But it's fun. fun. I am enjoying it. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> that last one isn't for reading out loud. I put it on there. It's a joke. <laughs> <coughs> oh, uh, Real quick, were you a Band of Brothers fan? The TV show, like the series. You've never I've, seen it. I've never seen it. Oh wow! I want to. It's on. I, I know it's. I know it's there. It's just I don't watch a lot of. It's TV so anymore. worth watching, like absolutely incredibly <laughs> worth watching. Anyways, they're doing uh, something called Masters of the Air, and it's like kind of like a Band of Brothers thing, just about pilots in World War II. It looks awesome. Comes out soon. That's so, cool. Anyways. All right. Moving on to uh, Meat Matters. Um, I'm going to say we don't have a bunch this time, but anytime I say that, we end up- We rant. Spend, and yeah, we end up spending longer. Uh, this is from a successful farming. Brett sent this one in. It's small meat processor says USDA measures don't address consolidated industries root problem. <clears throat> Over the past two decades, Greg Gunthorpe, Carved out a niche operating, carved out a niche operating a small meat processing plant in northern Indiana. That just feels weirdly written to me. My bad. He sold several kinds of meat to chic Chicago and Indianapolis restaurants and to Chicago and O'Hare International Airport. He also sold direct to consumers, but selling in grocery stores was not an option, as the largest meat packers often have those contracts. In his circumstances, he found it difficult to compete in the chicken industry, and he recently stopped raising and slaughtering the bird. In an extremely concentrated marketplace, it's difficult for a small processor, especially a plant that slaughters, to find a sweet spot somewhere to fit long term. In an industry in which four companies, Tyson Foods, JBS, Smithfield, and Marfrig, what did Marfrig used to be? Didn't they used to be something else? I don't know. What are we missing there? We're missing one that we usually say. What used well, to be in town? Cargill? Cargill. Well, Cargill's, their headquarters is still in town, but they're beef. I'm assuming you're running off of, if it's Smithfield, you're, you're, you're oh, reading yeah, off the pork, pork list. Okay. Pork, beef, I mean... Different companies, but same situation of like, there's four that run it. There's, yeah, give or take, four that run it. So have we always just, have I always just been wrong at least? I don't know if we've been wrong, but I've been wrong saying Cargill and when I should have been saying Marfrig? No, no. So I think I think these names are for the pork industry. But you look at beef, you'd be Carg or, oh, hold on. Now you're making me question myself. Yeah, I don't you think would, this is You would be only. JBS, Cargill, National Beef. And my brain's not going to cooperate with okay. today. We'll move on. Uh, the Biden administration has tried to address the concentration, including offering grants to help small processors expand, but it's not enough for many small processors that face proportionally higher operating expenses than the industry giants. According to interviews with small processors 
and experts. I think we're going to see a lot of these plants go out of business or sell, said friend of the podcast, Rebecca Thistlethwaite, the director of the Niche Meat Processors Assistance Network, which helps support small processors apply for federal grants with marketing. So that's not a good sign. I mean, Rebecca has her uh, finger very firmly on the pulse of the industry, especially especially the small and medium-sized niche processors, seeing as that is what she does. Um, and the fact that she thinks a lot of them are going to start going out of business is potentially problematic. So we're going to start contracting again. Would kind of make sense just because so many new guys opened up over the past four years. Um, if the market doesn't stay where it was, then there's too many of them. Um, the hope is the hope would be that more people continue to not buy from uh, the large packers, not buy from your big grocery store chains, uh, even though just earlier we were talking about buying from Sam's so right, for yeah. contributors, um, but to be honest, we buy. To be honest, we buy from everybody. Like, I kind of, I kind of have like a different reason to buy from like different grocery stores, sure. different local processors. Like everybody is like a separate special source for me. Um, but yeah, and I try and split it out. Like, I mean, I get my quarter of beef from the same place, but that's a customer of ours. I try and buy some from this butcher shop, some from that butcher shop, just to support small local businesses. All right, but also on that, this this isn't totally tied in, but it does somewhat tie in. It's a Wagyu beef grows in popularity. Um, so in my mind, these things are sort of combined in that the way some of those niche processors or small, medium-sized processors cannot go out of business is by getting the business of people like us in their areas. People who don't want to just go to the grocery store and get the regular whatever. Um, people who want a higher qu cut quality of meat. People who want to know who their butcher is. And that's kind of what's going on with the uh, the Wagyu beef. I, I used to say that I think uh, our population is kind of bifurcating. Um, and we're, we're having some people who are more and more interested in where their food comes from making sure that they have a, a quality source of food and other, people's, other people who are just willing to eat whatever junk is sold at the local grocery store, including chips, you know, any of that stuff, right? But now I'm seeing it more almost as a, there are going to be those people who can afford and those people who cannot afford. And the Wagyu, the increase in popularity in Wagyu only kind of highlights that even more in my mind because that person who is going to care about where their meat comes from is going to say, oh, well, here's an even more exclusive cut of meat or, you know, type of meat I can yeah. get. The other, the regular person's never going to be able to afford that. So it's now not only is it um, choice, but it's also economics that I see it splitting off. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. I would prefer every American have the chance to have what I consider to be the best source of protein for staying healthy, which is beef. So, also just to clarify, you were right. So, National Beef was uh, their controlling interest was like bought out by Marfrig a few years ago. So, oh, but the I'm other, flexing. So, switch those two. Um, and then the other one that I couldn't remember was staring right in front of me is Tyson. Tyson, JBS, Tyson's Cargill, 
Marfrig. Tyson was literally in the article. I was reading. I know, that but word. when I went through and started oh, counting them, okay. I didn't say Tyson, oh, and it was it was yeah, it was in the article. Yes, and it was in, staring right at right me, right there. And that's why I said my, my brain is was not cooperating today. Okay. okay. Um, all right. Recipe for disaster. Impossible food CEO says plant based meats marketing wokeness hurt the company. Uh, so. In this, they they have this guy and a new uh, chief marketer say they have their work cut out for him. And this is from him. He says, there is a wokeness to it. There is a bi-coastalness to it. There was an academia to it. And there was an elitism to it. And that pissed off most of America. You think? And it did. I talked about this a long time ago. I don't like being told what to do. And if you try to tell me what to do, I'm going to do the opposite thing especially when it comes to something like my meat, and especially whether this is right or not, if I feel like it's coming from a place of elitism and you think you're better than me, then I will dig my heel in my sand. Here, or in the, dig my heels in the sand. And here is the part that's not so admirable. I'm not changing my mind on that. The damage has been done with this. You will never win me back over you made me hate that product too much. I will not change my mind on it. Sorry. I mean, I know that's not like the the best thing to say. Like probably a better thing to say, okay, well now I'll give it another shot. I will not be giving it another shot. You can go and I hope your business dies. Very mature of you. I know. <laughs> I, like I said, I'm not saying that this is like the right thing, but this is just me being honest about the scary way my brain works. Honestly, that's a much better <laughs> response than I than I than I uh, can envision. Uh, <laughs> what I would say, <laughs> yeah, rolling off your tongue. I will burn but, your whole business down. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Even if they try to like, yeah, rebrand themselves, it says it talks about in the article that they've never targeted vegans, and their goal is still not to target vegans. So, smart, smart, but. Are you, if you're targeting people that don't have an issue with eating meat yeah. until you are better or cheaper, how do you win? Because you're neither. Right. You're neither better nor cheaper. So why would anyone choose you? The only ones that will choose you like right now would be someone that is either hardcore vegetarian or vegan. There are also some people who would choose it just because it's convenient and all you need to do is throw it in a mic. Right. That'd be some people. Yeah. So, I mean, that, not many, but that would be some. Yeah. So just something to, to keep in mind. But you are correct. Until they have a clearly defined uh, advantage or at least one-to-one -one comparison between either price or quality, it's never going to come back. All right. Uh, the WBU meat processing facility opens for business. This is another one Brett sent. Uh, the Williams Works Initiative at Williams Baptist University is expanding its operations with the opening of a meat processing plant. The facility pro processes cattle, hogs, and other livestock and is largely staffed by WBU students working their way to an education through Williams Works. Future plans also call for a certificate program to train workers in meat, cut er, meat cutting. Williams Baptist University meat processing plant will enable us to serve local livestock producers with an excellent processing service in a state inspected facility, said Lucas Martin, the plant's manager. 
The facility is a blessing to the university because we will be able to provide excellent products and processing services to our local community and will provide jobs for Williamsburg students. Uh, they go through and they talk to one of these students who's doing this and she does skinning, cutting, cleaning, like everything. So uh, we talked to a couple years ago at this point, uh, West uh, Panhandle State University of Oklahoma. Um, we had them on the podcast and they were talking about how they train their students to go right into the meat processing industry. And this is a, another program that's opening up like that. So awesome news. <coughs> Excuse me. We wish them obviously all the best of luck. All right. This year's U.S. beef production could impact next year's prices, according to Rabble, uh, Rabble, <laughs> Rabble Bank. Uh, the global beef market is holding strong, but herd rebuilding here in the U.S. appears to be on hold. Analysts warn that could impact meat prices next year. U.S. cow slaughter is up for this year, with heifers making up more than 40% of calf and feeder cattle sales. On top of that, a report warns that slow economic recovery will limit consumer purchases of beef, and the latest USDA numbers continue to show prices are increasing. The group anticipates a nearly 5% contraction in beef production and 3% drop in beef consumption next year. Not looking good for the meat industry, or for the beef industry at least. And then right on the, the heels of that, um, we've got what is happening to the U.S. cattle industry. So this is a guy who's talking about an article he wrote previously. Um, but he says, in that piece, I talked about how a report from Texas A&M pointed out that ranchers were culling herds during the extreme dry conditions in 2021 and 2022. They were taking more heifers to the sale barn than they did during the drought that ran from 2011 to 2015. The premise was that while there was a huge sell-off of cattle during both droughts, more replacement heifers were maintained in 2011 to 2015 in the hopes of rebuilding herds when conditions got better. This time, even if conditions miraculously improved, it would take longer for cattle numbers to recover just because the females needed to rebuild the herd simply weren't there. Now, he goes on to say he's got no proof of this exact statement, but his gut feeling tells him that there are a lot of ranchers who are getting ready to get out of the industry soon. They're going to either sell their land uh, to developers, possibly sell them to large conglomerations, or rent the land out. Um, I mean, they aren't holding back any heifers. There's this book I read that talked about this forest uh, that used to grow this fictional tree called Ghostwood. And they said the the rule that was never even bent less broke was take one, plant two. If you harvest one of those trees, you plant two of the trees. Then one year, there was this plague of you know spiders that killed all the branches with their webs and they cut the whole thing down. Just said, get, them while, get it while there's some value out of it. I worry that that's what's going on with a lot of the ranchers. They're like, well, we're not going to be around for many more years. Sell them all now or sell as much as we want now. Don't stop holding back. Yeah, could be. <clears throat> if that is the case, I don't know what I'm going to start eating in replacement of that. Ooh, 
maybe then I'd support rewilding the buffalo so that I could go <laughs> hunt buffalo and eat bison so I could have something that's at least somewhat close. All right. Uh, Tyson opens new technology-rich plant in Virginia. It's 4 million pounds of fully cooked product per week. It's a lot of food. That is a ridiculous amount of food coming out of one 35,000-square-foot facility. No, uh, 325,000. Oh, 325,000. So you will not produce that much out okay. of 35. That's still ridiculous. <laughs> not possible. Uh, the company invested $300 million in the project and expects to hire nearly 400 employees. Items that will be processed include chicken, excuse me, chicken nuggets and any anytizer snacks. It's a terrible name. I hate that name. It's like appetizers, but anytizer. No, I don't like it. I will not be buying any of those. Uh, the completed project sits in Crane Creek Center, an industrial park jointly owned by the city of Danville and Pittsylvania. Pit, <laughs> it's a terrible name. Pittsylvania County. Um, but yeah, no, the amount or the how perfect you have to have things to make 4 million pounds of meat. You've got to be putting something in the smoker as something's coming out of the smoker. Oh, they're 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 running continuous smokers. Everything's so like it's just going right through, and it goes through, comes Fair out. Point. Um, we think that we got to get yeah, we got to get you into like a large plant somewhere. I mean, I went and did Hormel. That was large. I guess that's true. I mean, it's big, but they still like things go into the smoker. Racks. Oh no, they do go out the back. It's not a conveyor belt system. Like things go into the smoker, and then they're done. They move on. Then they load the smoker again. It's all in racks. But it's not a conveyor belt. Here at the Hormel one here, were they doing bacon? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, when you find something that's doing like smoked sausage of some sorts. That was the, I think that was, well, I don't know if it's the last one I went to. Might not have been the last one I went to. It's the one I remember the most um, where they process, uh, once or at least that day, they were processing uh, kielbasa. Okay. Um the way that that like assembly line is set up coming out of like massive mixers um, going into this whole line of vacuum stuffers that are just uh, like auto uh, auto feeding out and going straight onto like conveyor racks. Like it just, it's, it's insane. It's a sight to see. It's like, it's, it's like watching like how it's made on TV. Yeah. Like that type of thing where you look at it and you're like, what? They, that's how they do that? It's nuts. The uh, one I always think about when I think about uh, plant automation is, I don't know how tall it was, 40 feet, 30, 40 feet tall racks that were all filled with like six inch diameter things of baloney that are like four feet long. And it was a robot moving them around from station to station. And the company that released it was like, do not show our, like, don't show who we are. You can, you know, you can look at this, but we don't want the industry knowing that we basically replaced all the workers with robots because it's cheaper. Mm -hmm. So when you start talking about storage and just movement of goods like that, it's fairly easy. Robots don't get sick. Yeah. I mean, they break down, but they don't get sick. Yeah. They're just expensive. Um, in our 
lookings here at what we're doing with additional space and robot can't do what I do also moving or building or whatever. Get that into your mind. One of the things um, that we know that we'll use and do one way or another is like a, a more high tech forklift. Yeah. Um, You can spend, uh, you can spend a lot less money, still tens of thousands of dollars and get a forklift, but you gotta drive it. You gotta do everything. You, You can spend like, $120,000, $150,000, get a forklift that you just say, uh, go here, grab this, go down, come back with it. Uh, That's pretty awesome. Totally on its own. It's kind of crazy. Also, unfortunately, a robot could could mostly do what I do. (laughs) Other than the making of stuff, it could do what I do. (coughs) And, like I said, it doesn't get sick like us last week. Yeah. So, um, think twice before you sear meat with freshly cracked black pepper. So this is not something I ever knew, uh, but it does kind of make a little bit of sense when I think of some of the experiments I was doing with making my own seasoning. Remember when I was had that one ingredient, I was trying to find something. So one of the things I did was freshly cla- cracked black pepper, sea salt, a few other things in this other ingredient. And it says, fresh cracked pepper might turn out bitter and acrid. While all pepper will release some bitterness when exposed to high heat, this is particularly true of fresh, fresh cracked pepper as opposed to the dried stuff. Fresh peppercorns release a ton of aromatics and floral flavors when you break into them. It's the reason there's such a profound difference in taste between fresh and pre-ground pepper. As delicious as these compounds are, they're especially susceptible to becoming bitter and acrid from high heat. That was my complaint with one of the things I made. I'm like, that kind of tastes bitter. So that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Never knew that. Crazy. So did you send this to me previously? I don't think so. You might have stole this from text maybe then. Oh, okay. I'm not not uh intentionally. Someone someone sent this to me. And usually if I get articles, it's either you or text. Okay. But maybe your dad? I don't know. I don't think your dad sent me this one. I usually call out when he sends them to me. I don't remember. Try not to steal things from him. This one is interesting though. But yeah. I'm still going to keep using a high heat sear on my steaks, so though. Not going to change anything I do. Yeah, but you're not doing fresh cracked black pepper. This is true. So it's because I'm not. lazy. Right. Yeah, yeah. All right. It was exhausting. LA vegan restaurants are putting meat back on the menu. I just like the title Meat's and like that. Back on yeah, the menu, <laughs> that's boys. exactly what I was thinking. <clears throat> that would have been a good gif to have in this article. They don't. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's just talking about how. A lot of restaurants try to go completely vegan, especially during COVID, uh, and it just has not worked out for them. So after years of being vegan, some very well-known LA restaurants are adding meat, dairy, or both to their menus to appeal <coughs> to a larger audience. The landscape was much different when we opened eight years ago, says Frederick Guerrero of popular burger spot Burger Lords, which has two locations in LA. The first restaurant launched in 2015 with both beef and meat-free patties, but in 2020, the nearly lifelong vegetarian decided to take the restaurant entirely vegan. My brother, Max, and I were scared to open an all-vegan restaurant. When COVID hit, we said, screw it, and decided it was time. Well, it's not been three years, and they've gone back to selling meat, because that's what people want. Let's just be honest. It tastes significantly better, and if your it name always is will. Burger Lords. Right. How can you not have Come meat? On. If anything, you should be experimenting with what I like to do. I make my patties out of a mix of uh, beef and pork because it just tastes better. 
-hmm. Like an all beef patty is good. A mix of beef and pork is like perfect. So. All right. Uh, Then we've got ribeye caps are the underrated cut of meat you need to start grilling. This is from Yahoo. Who is underrating spinalis? So spinalis is what that is called. It's the cap on a ribeye. And it is the very best part of the ribeye every time. Anytime I'm choosing a ribeye, I'm always choosing the one with the biggest spinalis. <laughs> I mean, this is not secret knowledge. If people don't know this, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. If you don't, it's very unfortunate. Because, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, I don't know. The rest of the ribeye is still really good. I would, we could start an argument over which steak cuts the best. I'm still probably going to eat the rest of the ribeye over a strip. Oh, okay. Something else. Okay. I thought you were about to say you would eat the rest of the ribeye before the spinalis. No. Okay. Well, actually, well, I don't know. sometimes I do. I eat things in reverse because I'm like, I want the best last. 100%. Yeah, yeah. When but, I said first, I meant like preference. Oh, oh okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. I will but, save the spinalis for last two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like the big part about and why you eat a ribeye is because the spinalis is so good. Yep. Real quick. When you were a kid, were you allowed like sugary cereals depends was it cheap could have <laughs> been if it was, was cheap like i was allowed a, it. a knockoff <laughs> brand of lucky charms or something yeah when i was a kid i used to eat all of the oat pieces first <laughs> yeah, so yeah, i'd have yeah. nothing but marshmallows uh-huh. and then you know later in life they sold just the marshmallows and i bought a box of it it was terrible <laughs> like this is disgusting. This I don't know if my taste buds changed or if it's like you had to I didn't have to work to get all the brand pieces out. A little bit, a little bit both. A little bit both. Probably a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Okay. Uh moving on to uh wild card. Uh we're gonna finish early today. Shocking. I've got three stories. Two of them are shark related. So yesterday. A Mexican woman who is a mother, it's not the Mexican woman and the mother, which is what I initially thought it was, was killed in a shark attack. Uh, This was right off the coast of Mexico. They have not said what type of shark it was, but every article has a bunch of pictures of great whites. So I'm going to assume it was a great white. Plus, usually when there's a huge portion of someone's leg missing, great whites are good a good bet. I mean, a tiger shark definitely can, and there are definitely tiger sharks in, the, in that area. Um, but for the most part, we're going to guess it's a, a, a great white. There have been three deaths in, uh, from shark attacks in the last like 24 hours. This other one is a little, I, I mean, obviously the Mexican mother one is sad as well. She had a young daughter, but uh, this lady had just gotten married. Ooh. They were down there on their honeymoon. It was Lauren Ver- uh, Erickson Van Wart of Lowell, Massachusetts, which I used to hang out in Lowell all the time. Uh, she was killed while paddleboarding in the Bahamas. So with that, probably not a great way. Probably a bull shark, um, but really bad way to go. Yeah, that's no fun. Would you rather get eaten by a bear or shark? And again, very sad for this family. Not making light of the situation. Whatever goes faster. Probably shark then. I feel like a bear would play with you. A bear doesn't even care if you're alive. 
It like, just is eating you. I think yeah, I think the, the shark is going to kill you. Right. You also have so. the, the option, like if you're like, all right, I'm not getting away, of just inhaling water and you're going to go out pretty quick, right? Like it won't be conscious, at least you'll cough. But I imagine that's the least of your problems at, at that point. Yeah. So that's as much as I hate to say it because I've always been afraid of getting eaten by a shark, I think I would choose shark at this point as well. Probably. <sighs> I just wouldn't. I don't, just don't, don't, don't get in the situation. Like, I, I, on one hand, I like the beach. I like the ocean. Yeah. But like, last time I was at the at the beach, um, there was like a sandbar that was like out there. You could see people like go to it at times. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's really cool. Walk out a little bit. Nah, nah, nah. That's I, the furthest I want to get offshore is like 50 feet. Like, I'm scared to like, what? Oh, you're well within where most shark attacks occur. Well, most yeah. shark attacks occur within like 15 feet of the beach. Yeah. But I, I don't like, I don't want to go out at all. I want to go just far enough to like catch a little wave mm -hmm. and then I go sit back down on the, on the beach towel. Yeah. We used to swim out to sandbar every year when I went down to North Carolina. Um, and I used to think really not much of it. I'd have a few drinks and just be like, nope, everything's fine. Um, and then that year we went deep sea fishing. The guy showed me the picture of the great white. I was like, well, I'm never doing that again. Not only am I never doing that again, I'm never coming back to this place. <laughs> My family has gone every year. I have not gone since that year. Yep. Nope. Not going oh, again. Because I don't trust myself enough to not go down to the beach, have a few drinks and be like, oh, that sandbar looks awesome. Let's go. <laughs> right? So just like, no, not going to do it. Oh, All right. Uh, last story is McDonald's has a spinoff restaurant coming. Have you heard anything about this? I have not. It's called Cosmics. So C-O-S, capital M-C, apostrophe S. Uh, and it's popping up in the Midwest. So if one comes anywhere near here, I'm 100% going. Uh, but you can kind of see, they A, they took a picture of the, um, of the menu from outside so you can see a little bit of what it's on it. But I can't describe how much I hate the look of the restaurant. It's... It's what is McDonald's it? with flair. I even like the color. Like I generally like blue and yellow together. Like that's a good uh -huh. color combination. It doesn't look right here. It makes me not mad. Mad's the wrong word. <laughs> it's too strong of a response. It makes me uncomfortable. Like I wouldn't want to go in there. What? Doing bad things in there. What is it supposed to be? It's just another McDonald's. Like, look at the picture. I po or you can look at that one. You can see it a little bit better in the picture I posted in OneNote. Um, but you can see it's just got burgers that look a little bit. A little different Fancier. Maybe square patties, maybe. It's hard to tell, but kind of looks like maybe square patties. Spicy queso sandwich. And spice lattes and iced teas and lemonades. Signature Galastic Boost drinks. Slushes and Did I say galactic? Galactic, yeah. obviously. It looks like it's heavier on everything else. Like it's more of a, it looks like they're trying to be more of a drink place. Oh, and you can get a burger? Yeah. yeah. Could be. We don't trust it. Stay away creamy, from it. I'm going to guess it says creamy avocado something tomatillo burger. I don't like it. It sounds like they're trying to hit 
yeah millennials the more millennial crowd mm-hmm. where they want their little frappe and they want their <laughs> avocado <laughs> toast austin did a little dance when he said frappe <laughs> um <laughs> do you see mcdonald's is revamping their burger huh yeah they're making a change to it for the first time and god knows how long we were just talking about this the other day there are kids alive today who have no idea there used to be something called the dollar menu. Oh, yeah. And those things used to legitimately cost a dollar. Or two for a dollar. Goodness, I've bought breakfast from McDonald's like twice in the past like month or two. Um, as we were like out and about, we just think like, ah, that's the best place. Sure. Grab quick breakfast for the kids. Um, hash browns? A little little hash brown stick. It's like three nineteen. I'm like what? Those should be like two for fifty cents, right? Or maybe two for a dollar, not three nineteen a yeah. piece. That's it's highway insane. robbery. Everything's insane now, man. Yeah. Um. All right. Favorite dollar menu item of all time across all of them. Do you have something? Uh, I mean, before it was on the dollar menu, uh, but like dollar menu or less. Sure, or less. Uh, junior bacon cheeseburger from Wendy's. Yeah. That. Hundred percent would be mine as well. Yes, though those I could those used to be those. like seventy nine cents yep. a piece, and I would go get like five of them uh-huh. and eat those. Either doing doing that and like getting some frosties, or going to <laughs> to Arby's and doing the five for five. Oh, Arby's five for five. Oh my gosh. Oh, the number of times I got diarrhea from eating <laughs> so much of that. I'd get I'd get one roast beef with cheddar with just like sauce it up. Yeah, oh, dump so much so sauce much on sauce. it, and then. Two curly fries <laughs> and two shakes. <laughs> two shakes? Yeah. Oh, I would get five of the sandwiches. <laughs> I would just get the sandwiches. Give them to me. Just um, eat, 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 eat. But that yeah. kind of qualifies for dollar menu yeah, in my I mind. Say so. But that was pro I looked forward to that probably more than probably anything else. Me, me and my two brothers, like we would like we'd lose it when we'd be like, if we're, we're going to Arby's today, we're going yep. to go with a five for five. Yep. Um, and I remember when it started, it became four for five. And that was like a major <laughs> moment where I was, in my life where I was like, oh, things aren't going to be as cheap. Like everything's getting more expensive. I'm like, they can't even do the five for five anymore. Because um, $5, like you used to be able to get lunch for five bucks. Like mm-hmm. absolutely. I could go to a small Italian eatery up in New York and get like a Stromboli for five bucks or two or three pieces of pizza. Now, it's probably four fifty for a slice of that pizza, so it's nuts. Sad. I do like that our answers to because we did not pre-plan that. I like that our answers to that were the same. How is how like how is everyone's answer not a junior bacon cheeseburger? They're so, <laughs> they're so good. Now I want one. They just have they have everything on it that you need. They really do. So I really want one now. And, yes, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I like the square patty. I don't care. I I don't know why. Fresh but I never do. frozen though. Fresh never. I frozen. don't know that I believe that, but sure. I think that <laughs> probably does make a difference. But yeah, is it legit? Yeah. Right. Like when McDonald's tried to, uh, uh, what is it? Oh God! It's a terrible way to end the podcast. What, what do you call it when you're like, only I can do this? Patent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, when they tried to patent 
uh, 100% certified Angus beef. Like yeah. they didn't want, they wanted to like say like, hey, this meat product, we want to patent it as 100% certified Angus beef, even though it's none of those things. Yeah. So that they could call it that. But yeah. All right. You got anything else? Nope. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Sorry about that ending there. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Meat Logistics Podcast. To shop everything about the meat, head on over to Waltons.com. To get your meat processing questions answered by experts and enthusiasts alike, head on over to our online community at MeatGistics.com. Waltons, everything but the meat.